point challenge at that point of somebody that can come up with an, with an idea for the letter X, because that's not going to be an easy one. I've got lined out through about G or H right now, but uh, they may change. But the letter X is going to be certainly a challenging one. I, I know Katrinka saw me use some word with the letter X in it a few days ago on Facebook, and, I, and she said that was a $50 word. It took me about $50 worth of looking it up to find out what it meant. So, But uh, there's not many words that start with X. But but tonight we'll begin that series. I guess you would call it a series. It just, you know, like I said, it keeps me focused on what's next. And A for attitude. Attitude is not a hard thing to talk about. We all have an attitude. Sometimes it's good. Sometimes it's bad. Sometimes it shines very well. Sometimes it brings us down. Sometimes our attitude affects only us, but most times it affects, guess what, everybody around us. And I think that, that is important to remember. I think that should be a focus of what we look at when we look at attitudes and when we understand that, that, uh, that the attitude is, is something that we need to focus upon and that we need to work toward each and every single day. If you want to turn your Bibles to Matthew chapter 5, we have a lot of information there in the uh, Sermon on the Mount there that Jesus talked about. I'm going to use part of that sermon tonight to show us about attitudes. Now, I don't think it's very difficult for us to see the attitude of Jesus and the perfection that he had. There it goes. And <laughs> got a better attitude with my microphone now. But, uh, but, the, uh, <clears throat> but the attitude that Jesus showed forth in the Sermon on the Mount, now we don't have time to go through the entire sermon, and, and by, certainly I cannot touch on every single thing in the sermon, but I want to focus a lot on chapter 5 tonight. I want to focus a lot about our attitude and what Christ shows us that we can live as a better attitude. He starts out the, the chapter, or the, the Sermon on the Mount there, talking about what we seem to call many times as the be attitudes. Now, many creative people have broken that up into be attitudes. Now, if you want to look there with me, let's read, few, read through a few of those, and we'll talk about those. It says, In seeing the multitudes, he went up on a mountain, and when he was seated, his disciples came to him. Then he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. I think what, what happens is many times is we will read through those and we say, oh, okay, we understand what Jesus is saying there, but do we really? Do we really understand? I've got a lesson coming up in a few weeks as well about richer or poor. And, you know, and, and Jesus talks about that, blessed are the poor. But when we look at the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven, you see, he's not talking about those who are actually poor in spiritual realm, if you will. And I think we need to look at that. But he says, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Now, what better thing than can, can you get than the kingdom of heaven? As you go down through there, these are more, if, if, if you ask me, I think they're more of a, 
a, a way we should be living our lives because Christ tells us there that when we look at each one of these individual attributes, there is a reward for it. And that should shape our attitudes and, and greatly affect the way we live our lives. And if it's not, I would encourage you to go back and read these once every few weeks. Just to look at them and say, oh, okay, that's the way I need to be. You know, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. If we're living our lives toward a righteous way, look how much better it's going to be for us. Think about how much better your life could be if you, if you didn't have to worry about the evil in our lives. Now remember I said that we all have attitudes and all of our attitudes affect every single person. If you have a bad attitude, you're going to bring somebody else down. If you have a good attitude, you're probably going to lift somebody up. And I think that's very important for us to remember. Because Jesus, he sums that up and says, you know, when they're reviling against you and persecuting you for my name's sake, remember that you're not the only ones. Remember that they killed the prophets for it. Remember that they, they did these things to my disciples. You know, I'm reading in a few words there, but we know it happened. We know that the apostles, the majority of them, tradition says, were martyred, if not all of them, in a, in a uh, sense of a way. But they were martyred for the sake of Christ. We can go on and read about in history all the others, Philip, Stephen, all those that were, that were beaten to death or, or, or uh, crucified in an extent or stoned to death for Christ's sake. They were all murdered, if you will, for the benefit of Christ. We don't have to go through that, do we? We live in a country where, it's freely, uh, where we're freely able to meet here tonight. We're freely able to come together and to study God's word. Now, that may change at some point in the future. I hope not. And I pray not. But we don't have to suffer these kind of persecutions. But, you know, we let little bitty things sometimes affect our attitudes. We let, you know, I, I mentioned a while back, I wrote a little blog on, on, on the, my preacher's blog that I've got. I don't like pineapple, so I'm not going to go to church tonight. <laughs> you know, what does that have to do with it? It doesn't have anything in the world to do with it. But that's sometimes what our attitude is, is, is if I don't like pineapple... I, you know, it's just going to make me sour. It's going to make me mad at somebody because you do like pineapple. Okay? Now, our attitudes are what affects our day every single day. And we have a choice in where we can live our attitudes. And our attitudes can be good. They can be bad. Is it always bad to have a bad attitude? I don't think so. If we have a bad attitude towards sin, I think we're winning. But if we have a bad attitude towards Christ, we're certainly losing. Look at what he says there, and uh, we're going to kind of go through the whole chapter a little bit. But he says there in verses 13 through 16 that we are the salt of the earth and the light of the world. Now, think about that. If we are the ones that are supposed to be seasoned and flavored, how many of you like salt on your cucumbers? I do. Makes them taste a whole lot better. Will I eat them without them? Sure I will. But it makes them taste a lot better if it's, if it's on there. Just don't, tell, just don't tell my nurse practitioner that, please. <laughs> But when you think about it, we are the salt of the earth. And it says there, but if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. And you are the light of the world. You know, we talked about that a while back. A few months back, we had, we had a lesson on the light of the world and, and what that meant to us. But when we look at our, our attitude, and, and Christ says in verse 16, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. You know, part of that is the whole, part of the attitude function is the whole purpose of putting together what we've considered as our goal of 15 and 15. It's our attitudes that we have to start with. 
We have to understand what it means to go out and find those that are not uh, hearing the word of God. To find those who are not in obedience to Christ. But you know, Jesus says in verses 17 through 20, he said, you know, I, I didn't, I, 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 do not think that I came to destroy the law or the prophets. I did not come to do that. I came to fulfill the law. You know, and, and they had the wrong attitude in that point that, that they thought he was there to destroy the law, to take it away from them. No, that's not right. That's not what happened. Because as we go on down through there and we look at, and this is where some of the heart of the lesson really comes into play. In verse 21, he says, You have heard that it was said to those of old, You shall not murder, and whoever murders will be in the danger of the judgment. But watch what Christ does. He takes it to a new level. He takes it to an attitude level. He says, But I say to you that whoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment. Whoever says to his brother, Raka, shall be in danger of the council. But whoever says, You fool, shall be in danger of hellfire. Therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar, and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go your way. First be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. What a beautiful statement. Jesus says you've got to have the attitude right. You've got to get it right before you can do anything right. He says agree with your adversary quickly while you're on the way with him, lest your adversary deliver you to the judge. The judge hand you over to the officer and to be thrown into the prison. Assuredly, I say to you, you will have by no means, uh, you will by no means get out of there till you have paid the last penny. You see, attitudes can cost us a lot. Attitudes can cost us an eternity in hell. That's pretty serious. Look what he goes on to say in verse 27. You've heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not commit adultery. And we know we can go back and look in Exodus and Deuteronomy, and we can see that the the punishment for an adultery was stoning to death. We can look at and see that, that, that anybody that was caught in the form of, or in the act of adultery would be taken away right then and there, and they would be stoned to death. You shall not commit adultery. Verse 28, but I say to you that whoever looks at a woman to lust for her has already committed adultery with her, watch this, in his heart. Where's the attitude start? Starts in the heart. And if you have an improper attitude towards those things, he says in verse 29, if your right eye causes you to sin, pluck it out and cast it from you, for it is more profitable for you that one of your members perish than for the whole body to be cast into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and cast it from you, for it is more profitable for you that one of your members perish than for your whole body to be cast into hell. He goes on to talk about marriage being sacred and binding. I think that a lot of times people will skip over that part. Marriage is certainly in an attitude, isn't it? You've got to be 100% when you go into a marriage. And, and you know, and, and, and there's a neat little thing that you can do with the alphabet and numbers. If you number each letter of the alphabet with its corresponding number, if you take the word attitude and you add it all the way across, you know what it equals? 100. 100%. And that's, uh, that's a neat little thing you can do there. But, but Jesus goes on to talk about some other things here in this chapter. And, and I'm just going to touch on a few of those because I want to look at a couple other things about attitudes. But he talks about the way we deal with people. He says, make sure that you're, you're right. Don't swear things falsely, but perform your oaths to the Lord. 
In other words, he's saying, when you say something, make sure it's accurate. Make sure it's true. Make sure it's what you are going to do. If you say yay, make it a yay. If you say nay, make it a nay. There's no sense whatsoever in backing up on those things. And that is an attitude of the heart as well. He goes on to talk about going the second mile. And I think that that will, will tune in on our attitudes real quickly. It says in verse 38, you have heard that it was said an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. We get that part of it, don't we? We know that when, when somebody does us evil, we want to repay that evil. We want to turn it back around to them. We want to pay them back. You know, some people talk about karma. Karma is not something a Christian should be looking at. Karma is something that was invented by Buddha or Gandhi or somebody. But it's not a godly thing. But you know what? When you look at it like that, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, something's going to come back and bite you. We've got a poor attitude about that. Look at what Jesus says in verse 39. But I tell you not to resist an evil person. But whoever slaps you on your right cheek, turn the other to him also. Now, folks, I'm going to tell you, that's hard. It's very hard. I don't think Jesus is talking about a physical right cheek. But if he were, and I think we can understand that better, but if he were, we've got to be willing to turn that other cheek. And when they slap the left cheek, what do we got to do? We've got to turn the one that's still sore. That's difficult. But if you have the proper attitude, the attitude that Jesus wants you to have, you're going to be able to do that. It hurts when people hurt you. It hurts when people get you down. You know, it's, uh, uh, some, of our, some of our worst enemies, if you will, are our friends and family. They will bring you down so fast. They will bring your attitude down so readily, so quickly. But you know what? We have to be able to jump right back. And we have to take that attitude and push it back to where it needs to be. He says there in verse uh, 40, If anyone wants to sue you and take away your tunic, let him have your cloak also. I, I saw that demonstrated years ago. I won't bring up the, the names because it's people that some of you know. But I saw a man that was willing to give away property because somebody was disputing over it. You know, isn't that something? I mean, that's, uh, and, and it gave a good example. It gave me an example of the way I needed to be. When, when we first uh, bought our land down where we're at, we had a neighbor that was disputing the property line. And I, I just flat out told him, I'm like, look, you know, it's not that big of a deal for where you're saying is yours. He wanted me to have it surveyed. I said, I don't need it surveyed. <laughs> you know, I think I know where the property line is, but that's okay. If you want to have it surveyed, let's have it surveyed. And so he had it surveyed, and he ended up being wrong. But that's okay. The way that it was handled was more important than what was there. It was a piece of land that I planted some trees on. I mean, I, I don't need it. I mean, it's, it's nice to have, but I don't need it. It actually is a little troublesome mowing the yard and getting around all them trees. <laughs> but basically, you've got to have the proper attitude. And from seeing that man's attitude toward the response of, of, of people in his own family arguing and disputing over a little piece of land, it made me learn. And I think we need to keep that in mind. Verse 41, and whoever compels you to go one mile, go with him too. Now, it doesn't say go to for him. It says go with him too. In other words, we've got to be ready and willing to do whatever we need to do to help someone in the cause of Christ. If we need to, to support somebody through a decision, a difficult decision, we need to be there with them. If, if we need to go and comfort someone at the funeral home, as, as we, many of us will probably do with the fan family, uh, we need to be able to do that. We need to be willing to do that. 
and we need to be doing, willing to do whatever it takes to help them. Give to him who asks you and from him who wants to borrow from you. Do not turn away. Now, if you want to borrow my nice Bible in there, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> you can borrow. But he ends the statements in this chapter. Of course, we know that the Bible was not written in chapter and verse, but he ends the statements with love your enemies. How much more pleasing can an attitude be than one that would be willing to love your enemies? You know, that person that hurts you, that person that, that either stole from you or, 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 or punched you in the face or whatever it may be, said some things about you. You know, that's probably one of the worst things in the world that we see today. You know, social media has helped that, <laughs> helped it grow. So many people get offended very easily by what is said about them, and, and, and rightly so. We need to have our words seasoned. We need to have them sweet, and, and they need to be something that, that, that God can be proud to say, that's my child. But friends, don't let your attitude be built by somebody else. Don't let somebody else that tells you certain things make your day miserable. You need to be able to defend your attitude, keep it straight, keep it forward, because you're affecting someone else. Gossip, revelries, things of that nature, half-truths, if you will, about somebody else, they're pointless, they're needless, and they will cost somebody a soul if you're not careful. And we need to remember that, and we need to understand that, that even if someone says to you um, that, that, uh, that you know, they hate you or they want bad things to come on you or, or they want to destroy whatever it is you've got, you know, if it's a, if it's a good marriage, a long-time marriage, and they want to destroy it, you need to walk away from there in love. Don't take retribution. Look at what Jesus said in verse 43. You have heard that it was said you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you. And pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. That you may be sons of your Father in heaven, for he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward have you? You know, it's easy to love somebody that loves us, isn't it? It's real simple to love somebody who loves us. That's why many times in a marriage relationship or a, a courtship or whatever, somebody says what? I love you. And what happens? I love you too. And if you say it to my wife on text message, she says, I love you too much. It'll all be over soon. Or oh, it will be over soon. For days, I wondered if she had up my life insurance policy. <laughs> she meant lunch was going to be over, but her autocorrect got it. <laughs> Don't ever just jump on something that's said on a text message. I'll just tell you right now. But uh, I love you too much, and <laughs> it'll all be over. <laughs> so, anyway, something to that effect. But love your enemies. Do good to all men. Everything that we do in our life will show a reflection on who we are. If we are God's child, if we are Christians, guess what? It reflects on Christ. Now think about that just a minute. As you look at Christ and you think about the life that he lived, the example that he gave, the love that he shed for us with pouring out his blood on the cross, are you living an attitude that's worthy of that? I want to look at a couple of verses from, from some other areas of the Bible. And show you what, what we can take from this. And understand that, that Jesus had these things to say to us. 
Look at what happens in in first or in Second Timothy chapter three. Paul tells Timothy there in chapter three. He says, "But know this that in the last days perilous times will come, for men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty." Lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power, and from such people turn away. Whew, that's a mouthful. Why do you want to turn away from those people? Because they don't have the right attitude. They don't have the attitude that they need to have in order to get to heaven. Now the same thing we can see with, with uh, the Philippian letter. In verse 4, chapter 2, it says, Let each of you look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. You see, when we look at attitude, it's not just about us. It's about others. And when we look at our attitude, and, and, and sometimes, you know, as, as teachers will sometimes or had said to me in the past, I had a teacher that walked around with his paddle all during class. You know what he called that paddle? It was named. It was called attitude adjustment. <laughs> I never got to see the other end of that paddle, thank goodness, but I probably could have used an attitude adjustment a few times in his class. There's no doubt about it. But you know, when, when we as parents, we say that sometimes, you need an attitude adjustment. Sometimes we need to look in the mirror and tell ourselves, you need an attitude adjustment. I don't know where your attitude is tonight, but I want you to look at something that, that Paul said in the Philippian letter. And I, I mentioned that this morning in Bible study. And if you're ever down and out, go read, go read the letter of Philippians. Because what you'll see there is you'll see a man who is in destitute times. He's in prison. He's in bonds and chains. He's in a situation where his attitude should be very poor. <laughs> but look at what he says. Verse 11, chapter 4. You know it well. Not that I speak in regard to need, for I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. I know how to be abased and I know how to abound everywhere and in all things I have learned to be both full and be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You see, here's this man in prison. He's in stocks and bonds. He doesn't know if he's even going to get out of prison. <laughs> but yet he's got the right attitude. And here we are in our lives blessed well beyond measure most days and something can bring our attitude down we need to think about that sometimes if we want to share Christ if we want to share the example that, that Paul was showing there in, in his own humility of writing this letter to the church at Philippi while he's there in, 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 in such destitute times we need to look in the mirror some days and say okay is my attitude worthy or does my attitude need an adjustment? Friends, I don't know what your attitude was when you got here tonight. I hope it's better when you leave. I hope that you understand that Christ loves you, God loves you, and I love you. I think everybody here knows that the church loves you. But if you've got a bad attitude, we want to help you with it. If you've got a bad attitude, we want to help you to make it better. And I know there's a way we can do that. If you've not become a Christian... Christ is who strengthens me. And the only way you can get into Christ is to, to come into contact with his blood, 
Bible says you must hear the word of God, you must believe it, you must repent of your sins, turning away from the old man, confessing that he is the son of the living God, and being baptized for the remission of sins. Once you get in there, sometimes we dip in that attitude. Sometimes we let sin take over. We saw the beautiful example this morning of someone asking to be restored to God's fold. We know that that attitude, the attitude of the heart, is what makes us take that step. And with a wonderful attitude, we can leave here tonight being a better Christian than when we got here. Sin separates us from God. Sin keeps us from being the attitude that we need to be. And sin certainly keeps us from being the best person that we deserve to be based on what God has given us. So tonight, if you have something keeping you that, from that uh, attitude, if you've got something that the church can help you with, or if you've never become a Christian, please consider your, your soul this very moment as we stand and as we sing.